after these messages we'll be right back i can't believe i ate that whole thing are you in good hands and now a word from our sponsors Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages, where we bring you hot takes on commercial breaks. That's right, we are here to talk about TV commercials, good ones and bad ones, and ones where people say weird shit like this. Tonight you take Vinny out to the docks and take care of him. First give him a gift certificate to Go-Kart World, which is enormous fun. My name is Andrew Walsh and I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hey Veeves. Hi Andrew. Today's theme is based on... Something you and I saw on TV recently, <laughs> right. which I've been obsessed with. I'm not going to retell the whole story here. <laughs> I told it on uh, TBTL today, but you and I were watching one of our favorite shows from the 70s, The Rockford Files. Yep. And um, the episode we now that show, of course, usually of course usually takes place in Los Angeles, as any rockhead knows. <laughs> Right. Or is it Ford Head? No. no, no. Um, <laughs> I think it's a rock head. But this particular episode took place in Jersey and involved the mob, the mafia. Yeah. Gangsters. It, yeah, it was like a it was a very special Rockford. It was. And it, one of the very special things about it was that Rockford almost was not in it. Was hardly yes, in it exactly. at all. Exactly. <laughs> and we kind of found out later. I mean, I guess I'll give the short yeah, version here. It's a funny story. But um we if you watch those old shows from that era, like cop shows especially, or any kind of like, you know, crime shows, detective shows, whatever. Procedurals. Procedurals. They would begin with almost a uh, a trailer of what was coming up on that particular episode, yeah. right? Columbo would do time. this a lot. It makes sense. It probably happened right before the commercial break at the top of the hour, right? Okay. And so then you'd keep, you'd keep you around to, you know, hopefully hook your interest coming out of, I don't know, whatever was before it yeah. um, in that era. But anyway, so the now when you watch these shows on demand, they keep those little trailers at the beginning, which is kind of funny and quaint. And we were watching this trailer for the upcoming episode of The Rockford Files, which we were about to watch on Crackle, my favorite internet <laughs> <laughs> TV service. Um, the amazing thing about Crackle, I'm so out of it. But let me, let me just tell there, you. You mean one of the amazing things? I mean, about I crackle. love Crackle. I love Crackle. If people have not experienced Crackle, it's like free. They do. Cre- I, I think they're carrying some newer content now, but a lot of it is just like cozy feeling stuff from the 70s yeah. and 80s, and they have the Rockford Files. Everything that they post on Crackle has a little description under the under the the uh, phrase why it crackles right and it's like a one sentence reason of why it crackles which the writing is pretty good it should just say why it crackles because we had the right to it yes, like i that's think the it's only the, reason uh, anything really crackles. why they have a lot of these old properties but anyway um this one episode of the rockford files focused on uh the mafia and i turned to genevieve before we saw the opening credits and i just said oh you know this was a because it was specifically jersey guys trying to get into the mafia i said oh this is um what inspired the Sopranos and then we keep on watching (laughs) the credits as a joke and then a couple of minutes later it said written and directed by David Chase (laughs) and then I looked it up later and I found a couple of articles that said the Rockford Files episode that inspired the Sopranos. It fully did inspire the Sopranos and there are even like plot beats that happen in the Sopranos. Yeah and and the two one of the characters you remember Tony is the mafioso guy and his little son is the one 
um, and his name is Anthony Jr. Okay. It's Tony and Anthony Jr. <laughs> and it turns it. out like they were, this is what they call like a, a backdoor pilot where in the middle of the season, they said, hey, maybe there would be an opportunity for a spinoff here. Yeah. And so they'll do a special episode that... James Garner only has to show up on set for one day. Yeah, he's barely in this yeah. episode because they were really trying to see, hey, do we have some pilot potential here? And so, you know, that was David Chase writing about Jersey wannabe and and actually some I guess New York mafia people um, to see if it could be its own show and years and years later it finally sort of did although it's very different but anyway (laughs) it's called if you're looking for it the episode title is uh just a couple of guys. Just a couple of guys. Couple of being one word. Couple right? of is yeah. one word, and um, I wouldn't say it's the strongest entry no, in the Rockford Files. It's definitely not. Luke was like, "Oh, I gotta watch this," and I'm like, "Well, don't temper your expectations." Rock, Rockford Files is a really a good show. It's not just something to put like I, you know, sometimes we talk about Columbo, but for me, that's more of a tone piece. It's sort of on in the yeah. background. Murder She Wrote has more of a Columbo campy is value. It's just an opportunity for you and me to be just infuriated with the murderer who came up with a brilliant murder plan but cannot just keep their mouth shut to stay out of prison here you be um columbo and you tell me that you found a piece of evidence that might sort of question um a theory that i had ahead of time because i'm the murderer you're the murderer yeah okay we'll we'll do a little role play Mm -hmm. here i guess i just got one question for you yes mr columbo and I'm just wondering about this thing. I noticed that the cap wasn't on the milk jug in the refrigerator. What do you what do you think that is about? Why wouldn't have she why wouldn't she have put the cap on the milk in the refrigerator? Well, first of all, detective, I'm sorry I called you <laughs> Mr. Columbo a moment ago. I'm new at improv. But there's a very good explanation for that. She uh-huh. grew up in a family uh-huh. where they would punish her for putting the caps back on things people were drinking right. at the time and she they come up with these goddamn answers these, these to these easily disprovable things when all okay now let's do that again let's, ask me about the cap do it again the way that we always want this is how you get away with murder how, how to get away with murder on colombo i can't help but wonder why wasn't the milk cap on the on the jug of milk in the refrigerator that's a really good question yeah you should investigate that let me know if you find anything out or, or alternatively, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem important to me. I don't know. I, but, but like, you're somebody who's probably close to the victim. So, like, yeah, that's a yeah, good lead. I don't know. I hope if I hope you. I love watching I you guys do some, your work. God, I love watching you guys work. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got a lot of commercials to get to today. Did I tell you what the theme is? Yeah, mafia, mafia. stuff. Okay, uh, so sorry. I have a whole bunch of commercials selling all kinds of stuff. Obviously, pizza so and pasta in here. mafia on the brain because of this episode of Rockford Files. Exactly. Here we are. But we have the mafia selling everything from razor blades to candy to beer. I did try to avoid... I mean, there is a trend of like really janky local low-budget mafia commercials i think this is such a trope and it appeals to a certain kind of like local industry but i found those to be so depressing like that um we have a pizza place around here called sopranos pizza and we get these flyers in the mail with coupons and like 
instead of having a cartoon gangster or something like that, do you remember this yes. flyer? It's like these four or five really shady looking guys in they're a photo in, of black in and white. Yeah, they look like like outcasts from The Sopranos. Yeah, they, they just were, they just look like you they know, weren't even in suits. All of them, I think, some of them were just wearing jeans and a leather jacket. Well, whatever. They're clearly meant to imply that they're sort of you know mobbed up yeah exactly which is a really weird thing to put real people in your ad yeah for your real pizza shop like it's not i can't explain it, it wasn't good enough to be like over the top and right. funny it was like it's in a, a lot of these commercials are the same way like hey we need to advertise our local jersey whatever or even our local cleveland plumbing service or whatever so okay we hire somebody for two dollars an hour to make some really low budget commercial where people doing really bad italian accents are sitting around a kitchen table eating pasta and it's like miked terribly there's something about that low budget commercials can be funny but somehow i just found it i was just getting depressed today watching those so these are mostly kind of national brands okay. and some um commercials that kind have of some like production uh, mother father it. chinese dentist stuff in here no not that i but there's your there it is there's your mr show reference <laughs> for the day although i think there's one there is a commercial coming up this is not even a ford promo for the listener this is a ford promo for you genevieve okay there is a commercial in here that almost makes me wonder if it inspired a Mr. Show sketch. Yeah. You'll know it when we watch it. I'm it sure. is amazing. They're all on the phone checking in with each other. We'll get to it in a little bit. We'll also check in with the uh, ad council. Everybody knows I'm enamored with this Geico commercial and specifically this actor in this Geico commercial where a couple is out camping and they argue about whether or not. Uh, which one of them was supposed to bring the life vests? They forgot the life vests on their canoe trip or something like that. And um, the young woman in the relationship insists that it was supposed to be her partner who was supposed to bring them. And so they kind of throw a challenge flag and they get to relive the argu- the, the conversation that they had earlier in the day or whatever. Um, that actor, the woman who who plays this this role in this Geico ad that I love, she also appears in one of our favorite TV shows in a small part and I totally missed it Yeah, but somebody pointed out uh, what the show is and so we'll share that with you in a little bit first though let's as Genevieve says let's get mobbed up is it a crime is it a crime that I still want you it was harder than you think to find a 1980s song about crime that isn't by Michael Jackson. <laughs> we have I sort of know, a I, I don't unofficial want to use Michael Jackson. no MJ policy. Yeah. Here. And so, Charday it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Smooth Criminal is the obvious choice. Now, these first two commercials I'm going to play for you here. I'm going to play for, when you type in Mafia TV commercial, you are pretty much overwhelmed with results for this Dollar Shave Club commercial. Okay. Okay. Now, Dollar Shave Club has not been around for that long, probably less than a decade now, right? Oh, it, yeah. Far, it, far less than a decade, I would think. And it looks like this was officially posted to Dollar Shave Club's YouTube page uh, only about eight months ago. Okay. So this is a pretty new commercial. There's a reason I'm pointing that out. And I, I think it's pretty good. We see a young man and he's wearing you know kind of a young, good looking Italian looking guy, Italian American looking guy and he's walking into some sort of a um looks like a mobster's basement bar kind of like in goodfellas there's Mm -hmm. some pool tables in there and a a couple of tables and um there's a 
group of guys, older mafia guys who are like eating or something. And as this young man walks in in his leather jacket, one of the older mobsters does something that is uh, very much a trope in these in these mafia movies, which he gets up and he starts patting the guy's face from side to side. But this is a Dollar Shave Club commercial, right? So you probably see where this yeah. is going. The older mobster cannot stop touching the guy's face. <laughs> Take a listen. Thank you for taking care of Lorenzo. He's smacking him a little patting bit. Patting him, patting him. Everybody's, all the other dudes are watching. Now he's sort of stroking his face. <laughs> Caressing it, grabbing it. For now, a noticeably smooth shave, Dollar Shave Club in stores now. At the end, you just see all of these, all of these hands from all the mobsters reaching in and, and caressing his face because they appreciate the the smooth cut. I like that. I like that Dollar Shave Club was like, what's a situation where people touch someone's face? And like, not just in a romantic or intimate context, but like something, you know, some fun trope for that. Right. I think that's good. I, think I wouldn't have good thought too. of it. Although I think their thought process might have been a little bit different. I think they might have said to themselves, hey, remember that Braun commercial from oh. 10 years ago? Okay. Let's redo that because gotcha. I, I, I watched that Dollar Shave Club one. And again, it's getting a lot of hits. People love it. It's a good commercial. Yeah. And then, I don't know, an hour into my research or whatever you want to call what we do for the show, prep, I guess. I think research is you know, technically correct. I found this commercial uh, kind of this one feels a little bit even more good fellas. It's it takes place like kind of in the uh, 19. I want to say is that a 1950s car there? 50s or 40s. Late yeah. 40s, maybe uh, car drives up um, more Godfather era. Yeah, this feels a little bit. Yeah. But like the vibe is a young man, uh, kind of a young, slick looking guy. Godfather 2 era <laughs> gets out of his car. Um, and this feels a little bit more like um, a little Italy scene we see a bunch of guys kind of out on the street with crates around them and some old men are probably playing chess i don't know and then basically the same thing happens this young man uh walks up to some older mafioso and he's and he pats the face and then he can't stop pat it is exactly the same commercial only it takes place outside in a slightly different era of course somebody's combing their hair back very, very nice classic ride like rolls up. Studebaker, maybe. Yeah. See how he looks very much like a good fella. He's got the white collar, black shirt. With the black vest, yeah. Starts patting the face. Starts kissing the face. Kissing cheek to cheek. Pat in the face again. Goes in for more kisses. More kisses. So many kisses. So many kisses. It's a lot of kissing. People are starting Even to Even for Italians. You now he's like rubbing his face with the back <laughs> of his hands, both of his hands. Everybody's looking a little bit uncomfortable yeah. in this one. The guy who's getting his face rubbed, it really has a great reaction shot. Oh, and it says irresistibly smooth since 1950. So they're leaning into their 1950-ish. I got to tell stomach. you, I liked the Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. I love the Braun. Yeah. And this the was Braun blows Dollar Shave Club out of the water. And look, this is uh, was posted 11 years yeah, ago. It predates it. It was, I think the production values are more exciting and interesting. The story is ultimately the same, but some of the like the the atmospherics are more mm -hmm. exciting and interesting. It's like the music is better. It's really evoking both a Goodfellas vibe and a and a Godfather vibe. And it seems like which of course are the two 
you know, and the Sopranos are like the triumvirate yeah. of media sort of like representations. And it seems more cinematic. I mean, it's a totally more expensive cinematic. commercial, yeah, you can absolutely. tell. Um, and by the way, this was posted by somebody on their YouTube page, Rocco Salada. And I believe Rocco is portraying the young man in the car. Okay, in that. So the actor man. posted that. Yeah, I got to say, Rocco page. Salada delivers in a way that the Rocco, the, the guy in the um, Dollar Shave Club is younger and handsomer. Um, but the look on Rocco Salata's face while this is happening to him is so good. And I think it's it carries the freight of like there's always in any kind of mafia movie situation. There's always the like, is this loving thing that I'm experiencing just a prelude to a murder thing that I'm about to be right, experiencing? Right, right, And And which side of the murder am I even going to be on? What side of the murder am I even going to be on is now, the question you always have to be asking yourself. Now, this is a beloved commercial on the official posting of the Dollar Shave Club one. Um, there are 67 comments right now. Should I leave a comment that says you ripped off a Braun commercial and leave the link to the original in there? Or do I need to not get engaged in this conversation with Dollar Shave Club? I mean, I what just, if I be, wait, let me. OK, before you answer, let before me, I answer, what if I begin it with for shame? Yeah, OK, sure. That, <laughs> that makes it better. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could do it in a more sort of like. um a kind of like less judgy way like i'm not gonna do it like reminds me of this reminds me of this it's the same commercial it's the exact same commercial except okay. worse okay um i'm gonna move on here there was a pepsi commercial i don't think i remember this although the little the little, the little girl is curly sue Oh, is that Curly Sue from the movie? Yes, Curly first she Sue. was famous for being the Pepsi girl, the little, the little dark-haired okay. curly Pepsi, curly-haired Pepsi girl. Okay, well, in this commercial, um, it's a full minute-long commercial. It feels like a Super Bowl commercial or something. Uh, the little Curly Sue girl. In fact, the the um, bar. Her, her, the actor's name is Allison Porter. Okay, she, she's even referred to as Curly in this. Somebody says, "Hey, Curly." Um, so the little Pepsi girl, Curly Sue, walks into like, uh, it looks like a pizza shop, okay, with her grandfather or something. I'm sure we're going to hear Italian music playing as we will in all these commercials. And they walk up to like the kind of the counter, the diner counter in this pizza shop. And Curly Sue orders a Pepsi. Now, interestingly, the proprietor of this pizza shop, which is harder to say than you might think, um, is the guy who played Big Pussy in The Sopranos. But yes. this predates The Sopranos by a great deal. I believe this is kind of a mid-80s So many commercial. of those mob guys in The Sopranos yes. have like, they're, all of their credits at IMDb are like, Big Tony, yep. Little little Stevie. Yep. I yep. mean, Little Stevie, I guess, has very had a very specific <laughs> right. pre-Sopranos credit. <laughs> I believe we opened our show with music by him. We uh, vote the... What, it was just called Vote, his anti-Reagan yeah, song from the Reagan 80s. Song, yeah. So here's what happens in this commercial because it'll be a little bit confusing. Oh, do not sonically. just type Big Pussy into your uh, Google search. Oh, good. You're not using your work computer, are you? I am not. Okay. Is that a thing, though? Do people want big? I guess. So Vincent, Past, uh, Vincent Pastore, or oh, Pastor, okay. uh, it was the actor, is the actor. So he plays the very, you know, kind yeah, the, he plays like the, the the Italian restaurant owner here. I don't think there's any implication that he's mobbed up in any way. Um, I'm just laughing how many times I'm going to use that phrase during this show. But what happens is a little girl orders a, pe uh, a Pepsi. He pours her a Coke from like a fountain 
you know, gives her a fountain drink Coke. She takes a sip. She realizes it's not Pepsi. And then suddenly her voice changes and she starts talking like the Godfather. What do you have, folks? A large pepperoni pizza. And a Pepsi, please? A Pepsi. Sure thing, Curly. He's filling it with Big Coke. Thank you. She takes a sip. Come here. Now this is the little girl talking. Very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. We both know I ordered a Pepsi Cola. And now you've insulted me and my entire family by offering me this. this whatever it is. But being a civilized person, I'd like to give you a chance to make amends. Capisce? Yeah. Okay, so she's giving him a chance to make amends, so he goes in the back and he grabs an actual can of Pepsi and gives it to her. You. <laughs> now what happens is <laughs> one of the um, one of like the uh, bus boys is just blowing a, a bubble of his bubble gum in the background. Then and it the pops. whole the whole restaurant, by the way, is transfixed by this situation and sort of like on tenterhooks, <laughs> right? And the bus boy is watching it happen. And just as she drinks the Pepsi, he blows a bubble with his bubble gum and it pops. And the whole restaurant reacts like there's been a gunshot. And they're all like they tip over tables. I love that. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> and this is the joy of cola campaign i believe this happened not long after the whole new coke thing i yes. think this was kind yeah, of the was, tail end of the new coke thing i, I like i like yeah. the joy of cola as a slogan yeah me too me too oh wow that really worked i want to i want to coke or a pepsi now i don't even care which one you're pretty persnickety about it right you won't take <laughs> yeah. a pepsi you put it on ice. Who cares? Ugh, it tastes so different. I mean, like, I'm with her. You can definitely tell the difference. I guess if you want, like, that syrupy, sweet Pepsi taste, like, a Coke isn't going to be good. Isn't going to be enjoyable. I think all soda is better if the ice can melt a little bit in it, if you can give it, like, two or three minutes on ice. And then at that point, the ice is the great regulator. I think it's fine. You're an animal. <laughs> um, okay. I have a friend who had COVID, and then she kind of had long COVID, and she totally lost. She lost her sense of taste and smell. And then when she regained it sort of slowly over time, certain tastes and smells of things that she formerly loved the taste of uh, now taste terrible to her. And one of those things that she lost the ability to enjoy is a Coca-Cola. Oh, really? Yeah. All cola? Yeah. Any kind of like cola. So like Mm. I think Pepsi or whatever would be would be the same. But she said, yeah, I used to really like. Once in a blue moon, it wasn't like a regular thing, but once in a yeah, blue I moon. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I would go to like a movie theater and I, like it would, a cold Coke on mm-hmm. ice from a fountain would taste really good. And now it just tastes gross to me. Huh. wonder if that's good or bad. It's so sad. It's sort of sad, but she's somebody who like lives a pretty healthy lifestyle. So she probably doesn't need governors in her life. Yeah, it's to not like it would be from... great for me if like I woke up tomorrow and like White Claw tasted bad. To <laughs> right, me. because but, like, then it, you know, that, but I mean, she's she would have like enjoy once in a blue moon, like a right. Coke. And now she can't enjoy it. Now, I was surprised how much Honey Nut Cheerios of all products leaned into some interesting I think... choice. And I think pretty gritty depictions of the mafia to sell Honey Nut Cheerios. It's weird. Like the mafia, I, because I guess of the Godfather and the and Goodfellas and the Sopranos and, and countless others, get some sort of weird carve out from like 
things being like things that are fundamentally about like murder and crime yeah. and exploitation but it like gets this weird carve out in popular culture as mm-hmm. just being fun because nostalgia and yeah yeah and the way it's portrayed in things like the godfather i think um so there's two of these that i found there might have been more in the campaign but in this one we see uh you know like kind of a mob boss guy and he's sitting alone at a table two of his thugs are behind him I think we're in his kitchen or something and he's eating a bowl of cereal and uh, it begins you heard this at the beginning of the show Uh, it begins with him saying hey take so and so out and take care of him by the way one of these thugs has like a big nasty scar I mean this is honey nut cheers has a big nasty scar starting from his forehead going down through his eye down to his cheek like his eye itself looks fine but it's a pretty big like gash of a scar pretty scary here i'll make it big on the screen so you can check out that detail make it the Um, the show pick but i guess i won't give away kind of what the point is here because i actually think that i think the slogan kind of kind of makes sense for what they're trying to sell here so take a listen to this tonight you take Vinny out to the docks and take care of him I actually think people who can't stand the sound of people masticating and chewing, mm-hmm. I think that's the scariest part of this commercial for those people because he's really like, yeah, he's really slurping really it down. Up yeah, on that slurping. Tonight, you take Vinny out to the docks and take care of him. First, give him a gift certificate to Go Kart World, which is enormous fun. Then, I want you to take this kitten that named Taffy, and you give it to him. On the second thought, I love Taffy too much. Give him a foot rub instead. And then when he's all happy, we'll give him this poncho that I made. That <laughs> it says Honey Nut Cheerios. Anyone can have a good heart. With lower cholesterol is not a bad. I like it. It's not a bad kind of way of connecting it to the. The jokes are good. It's well written. And have a good heart. Like they were really pushing their heart smartness. I I like it. I had Cheerios for breakfast today. The scar is, I guess, pretty gnarly, but they don't linger on it. No, but I mean, it's like a. I don't know. It's yeah. It was a choice for sure. Like they did. They could have just had these two anonymous goons, and they chose to make one of them have something like pretty violent. Like yeah. implied about yeah. him, you know, something happened. Um, so in this next one, it's still Honey Nut Cheerios, and this time it's kind of like a wherever these mobsters gather, right? It's probably I can't remember exactly if it's like the if it gives you the the vibe of like the a back room of maybe an Italian restaurant or maybe or like something the bank like that. Or something. Yeah, and you can see it's like their little office, right? There's a table where yeah. they can where they can eat their gabagool and, uh, <laughs> and and plan their murders or whatever. But one of these mobsters, so like a young Young guy kind of comes in with a a bunch of money. He just, you know, he just finished a job or something. And this is very much like Sopranos era or maybe 80s era mobsters, right? Like they've got like the 80s style sort of like windbreakers and the... Yeah, kind of track suit And and the big like oversized printed shirts, button down shirts. Yeah, the guy with the, uh, the guy who's in a good mood here, who's kind of looking out the window and isn't acting like a mob boss is wearing one of those big... Big oversized uh, Dan Flashes style <laughs> complicated pattern shirts. Take a listen. Again, it's going to begin with the guy coming in with the money. Is it done? Yeah, it's done. It's real pretty out today, isn't it? You guys ever been kayaking? 
Bernie, what did you eat for breakfast? What? Boy, so hey, fellas, no. Now the thugs go up to him and they kind of rip his shirt open. They find a big spoon in his shirt. This is Bernie. Search the cupboards. Oh, hey there, guys. Uh, he's probably happy because he found out Honey Nut Cheerios can help lower cholesterol. Hey, Buzz. <laughs> You're lucky your family, Benny. Real lucky. And then it says, have a change of heart, oh, okay. which is kind of nice, yeah. too. But... I, that commercial, first of all, Buzz the Bee does nothing for yeah. me. The voice is he's weird. Always, he's always a net negative. I think so, too. He's wearing a little mobster fedora in this one. Um, have a change of heart. I like that log line. Yeah. But, um, I don't think you need the bee. I don't think you need you the bee the for bee that. You take the bee out, same commercial. Just, they just find the Cheerios. Yeah. You know, you don't need the bee. You also, <laughs> you don't need the bee. That's a, wasn't that an NWA song? Um <laughs> Um, these next commercials <laughs> are for Godfather's Pizza. Now, I did not grow up in an area where there were Godfather's Pizzas. Same. Um, so you probably didn't see these either. They were here in the Pacific Northwest. So when I only know about Lu- Godfather's because of Herman Cain. Herman Cain, exactly. Um, but I guess these commercials always feed. Luke always brings this up on TBTL. These commercials always featured the spokesperson who, there's nothing explicitly mafia about this like he's not in like a hangout or something but he's just like he's wearing a big what would you call that style hat he's wearing he's like dressed like an old school gangster he's wearing like a three-piece suit with a tie and he's got a very big kind of um, the hat's interesting the hat doesn't say mobster to me it says like um tourist or it's sort of like a it's a big wide brimmed white felt hat yeah um, I don't know how, how you describe it. I keep thinking of the hat that Anthony Hopkins wears at the end of uh, Silence of the Lambs. I know that's a very specific uh-huh. uh, reference point, but that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, I'm trying to. Um, I'm, I'm. I don't know. Hat. I don't know good hat vocabulary. Here. Yeah, but it's kind of like a very old school, almost very like it's old old world Italian hat. I think. I is guess maybe that's what true. It is. Yeah, and he wears them in all of these commercials, and there's always these like kind of three kind of dancing women behind him. It's a really strange pastiche of cultural references. And the women are always singing some song. And I Panama hat. Oh, it's a Panama hat. Okay, gotcha. And like I said, from Italy. <laughs> from Panama, <laughs> Italy. From Panama, Italy. Um, and I do think, like, they're not... They're not in like a gangster's office or like a gangster's kitchen, like these kind of tropes are just like this one looks like they're maybe in some sort of maybe he owns this club, right? There's a stage behind him and he's talking about the pizza offer. They're singing about the pizza offer. And I believe their slogan is a pizza you can't refuse. (laughs) Hey, you got plans coming up? Well, change them. Because right now you can get one of my large godfather's pizzas for the price of a medium. No coupons. Just say a pizza you can't refuse when you order and get a large for the price of a medium. Order one or a dozen, but say a pizza, a pizza you, you can't, can't refuse. refuse. Get a large for the price of a medium. Look, I run this deal past this date. I go to the poorhouse, so get off your duff. Now. Godfather's Look, pizza. I run this deal past this. Do, Do it. it. I run this deal past the state. I can't get out of the poorhouse. What, <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean, sir? I love their logo at the end of that, though. It's very cool. Very I actually 80s. wish we could do a whole show, and maybe we can, about Do it. premises in which, or, or offers, uh, promotions in which the customer has to say something kind of embarrassing. Oh, yeah. 
I've, do they still do that really though? It's all hashtags now. Well, not not now, not I mean, but like you know, um I remember that was a big campaign for IHOP with like the Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity. You have to oh, you really? had to order it, but they like had a whole campaign around like people being too embarrassed to say the stupid name. Oh, I didn't know that. People would go in with like, you know, the you know, the mustaching uh, and fake uh, nose and the mar- the Groucho Marx in the commercial glasses to be like hide their identity when they were asking for this embarrassing meal. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, isn't this a weird? Like, it's like they're clearly this is very strange. It's strange what they're going. It's clearly yeah. supposed to be a mobster, but it's like what's with the dancing women? But they're all here's it's, another one. It's so confused. This one is from 1980. It's called. Kitten- I run this past the state. I'm gonna end <laughs> up in the poorhouse. <laughs> this is called what kitten caboodle. How does that even work? You're looking at five pounds of paradise, my combo. I give every crust a little edge to hold the whole thing together, ladle on my sumptuous sauce, pile on the kit and the caboodle, then smother the whole thing with a mountain of melted mozzarella. Hey, you order one of these feasts, you bring along your mob to hell. Excuse me, wait. Back it on up. What did he say? You order one of these things... You better bring your mob to help. You better bring your better bring your mom. Oh, I think they bring your mom to well, hell. Let's take a and listen. I was like, "What? Bring your mom to hell? Bring your mom to hell? Oh, it's bring your mom to hell day." <laughs> By the way, it's so hard to make pizza look bad on camera, and this shit looks awful. Yeah, you know what they're doing? There is it, weirdly the Sopranos pizza near us does the same thing. Maybe it has something to do with the mafia, but <laughs> they put the cheese on last. They do sauce ingredients and then put the cheese That's on. That's not even the deal breaker for me. This just looks like the way this is. Sh- Filmed and I know it's an it's, old commercial, yeah, but like color the color is terrible. Everything just looks muddy and gross. This to me really supports the idea that Herman Cain had a direct hand in the marketing <laughs> because it is so ill-conceived. Here, take a listen to the the line again that we're trying to decipher. Hey, you order one of these feasts, you bring along your mob to help. <laughs> in the last one. Try it. <laughs> try it. So now, now we've gone from do it to try it. Here, I'm just going to click on it. YouTube is suggesting another one. I okay. haven't watched this one yet. Let's just do this. This seems to focus on the singer. My friends here and me, we come to Godfather's Pizza because we like it thick, rich, and delish. And because Godfather serves the pitcher full of coke and puts the ice in the glass. And that's first class. See, some joints fill their pitchers with ice. That's not nice. Godfather's Pizza. Thick, rich, delish. Pictures, no ice. Very nice. I couldn't have said it better. Wow. Pictures, they're really specific about the, the amount of Coke you get in a picture. That's so weird. They're really dialing in on like the, the specific of, uh, differentiators. I like that aspect of it. I legit like, I mean, it's so weird. She, she had that hardcore Northwest, uh, yeah. or, or not Northwest, but mid upper Midwest accent. Oh, I thought they were doing... Yeah, I guess that's what the, they were doing. The main spokeswoman mm-hmm. did. Um, and they were wearing these awful curly wigs. That's such a strange thing. It's just like so, so low budget and strange. Um, this next one is probably my least favorite because it's an M&M's commercial. And I've never seen an M&M's commercial. How is M&M's... Like, who are they appealing to? It like, must be working. I guess so. But like, they are everywhere. Like, and you go to a movie... You've got the talking M&Ms doing the, like, turn off your cell phone message and whatever. I've never gravitated to or bonded with any of these characters. And I like Billy West. I like Jay. It's not the voice actors. You know, like, 
it's not the fault of the voice actors. They are people that I whose work I enjoy. It's the writing and the the general like storytelling vibe of of M&Ms. I don't appreciate any of it. I feel like this one must have been either a Super Bowl commercial or maybe it was a type of commercial that appeared in a movie because the setup, the visual setup of this is so elaborate and unnecessary. It begins, it's not even like a classic gangster trope. You see a car, you think it's a car commercial at first, driving through a a snowy mountain pass and we have like a helicopter or drone shot of this car and then the car eventually ends up outside this huge pass Palace, almost like it looks like a place that like Bruce Wayne, it looks like Bruce Manor, right? Like Wayne Manor. Wayne Manor. <laughs> Bruce Manor. Did you mean Bruce Banner? <laughs> Bruce Banner Manor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Banner Manor. Banner Manor. Why don't they have a Banner Manor? I am so tired <laughs> right now. We have to get to the show or I'm just going to get the giggles and I won't be able to stop. So anyway, they show this car pull up. Then we see this big feast happening inside with like women like are they supposed to look like they're from a different time i can't tell like their hair is done in a sort of a 60s has a 60s vibe to the hair and there's this huge banquet inside and then we see like kind of the the main guy uh who's a guy probably in his like 50s or 60s he's got a little he's got a little goatee and mustache he's got a ponytail pulled back and i guess he's like a mobster all of this like the first 10 seconds of the film is just to show like i guess lavishness and then he just leaves the dinner party goes outside and has a conversation in italian i guess this is supposed to be not like new york mob but actually maybe you know like italian organized crime mm-hmm. they have a conversation the Nostra. yeah in Italian uh, before they open the trunk of the car. All of this could have just happened. Yeah. Just with the beginning with showing a car. All you need is all a car opening. All you need is a trunk. All you need is the, op- the shot from inside the trunk where the trunk opens, which is classic. I swear to God, like M&M's had to burn some yeah. money off. Or, this is a tax break or like Or like somebody, somebody wanted to go to Italy. Or, or again, this might have been a special commercial that was tied to the premiere of... A TV show that had to do with the mafia, or like you said, maybe this, or you mentioned their this commercials. Seems like, this seems the like Junket theaters, City to me. Maybe, because it's way too much in the first 10 seconds. I'll translate for you. Yeah, it looks like a car ad. The car pulls up. The guy's outside now with his henchmen. They open the trunk. First, I'm going to chop you into little pieces. And then I'm going to sprinkle you on a big bowl of ice cream. I have no idea what you're saying. And of course, what do we see in the trunk of the car? But a couple of bags of groceries and the dumb peanut M&M. So this guy says, I'm going to chop you up, sprinkle you on ice cream. And then we see, oh, he's not talking. Is that a good use for peanut M&Ms? I think think this might be them trying to sell that as a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea what you're saying. But count me in. Peanut M&M for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? That's a 2014 commercial. There's a, 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 a copyright notice on the bottom of it. Also, Veeves, he's, um, they're showing the peanut in between a couple of bags of groceries, which I thought was kind of an interesting, dazzling detail. Like, oh, mm-hmm. pick them up when you're at the grocery store. Look what's in a couple of the bags. A ton of vanilla, vanilla ice, cream. ice cream. They're really trying. Yeah. And broccoli, although I don't think that's supposed to go in there, too. But I think they're trying to sell this idea no, I think, of put I, M&Ms on your... I uh, agree. It's, it's, meant to, it's meant to convey a specific idea. Which, you know, specific cases like that, actually, yeah. I do kind of... 
I do kind of like. No, I like it too. I don't have any problem with with the general pitch beyond my sort of overarching dislike of this campaign. But that you're right. Like so much money and uh, resources went into all that you need is like a rich guy walking up to a trunk. Right. It's so strange. Um, So I told you before, again, I got to just maybe forget about the listeners for a second. Sorry, guys. And uh, pitch this to you, Genevieve, (laughs) in a way you'll understand. Do you remember the Mr. Show sketch where I think somebody comes into a donut shop and says, can you break up? Yeah. This bill for some change. Yeah. Right? And, and it results in like an escalating phone call to like more, higher and higher authorities because the person at the at the counter is so inept, I- inept and ill equipped to just make a simple decision like, can I make change for a dollar? And it ends up with like that's like f- Mary Kay Rathscub or something. Right. Or is that who makes the first call or is it a Bob Odin? I think it's I think it's David, but it's oh, okay. it's. Not relevant. Ultimately, it ends up being that the phone call escalates to the president of the United States. Right. It's like, hey, can we uh, hey, like the the clerk calls her boss who then calls his boss, who then calls the head of the company, who right. then in a key, like, hey, can we do this? And they're like, mm, maybe hold on. And then they make yeah. a call to a higher person. This is sort of like that, although I don't know if it's raising through the ranks or if it's just sort of being passed around, but it starts with a guy at a bar, right? And he asks the bartender, I think, for a phone or something, or maybe he pulls out a cell phone, and he's talking to somebody. He's like, hey, did you take care of the thing? And then we see the guy on the other end of the phone. He's like, hey, did we take care of the thing? And then he's talking to his friend who's also on a pay phone nearby, and then he says to the guy he's on the phone with, did you take care of the thing? And then it just keeps going around and around until the phone call ends up back at the bar. The bartender hands the original guy a landline phone and says call for you and nobody's taking care of the thing everybody's just passing it off it's a real circle jerk hello these guys took care of that thing right hey Mikey we take care of that thing hey Nikki you took care of that thing right yeah sure come on please hey did you take care of that thing yet like these two guys are on the golf course. That's literally one of the well, they're places. They're on a golf course. They're at a driving or a, range. A driving range. But the Mr. Show one has them on a golf course. Yeah. And this was 2001 when that show was in production. I find it hard to believe that this didn't somehow seep into one of their heads, one of the writers' heads. Yeah. Like it's. I do. I do. Hello. These guys took care of that thing, right? Hey, Mikey. We take care of that thing. Hey, Nikki. You took care of that thing, right? Yeah, sure. Come on, please. Hey, did you take care of that thing yet? <laughs> yeah. You took care of that thing, right? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Steward, yeah? Yeah. You took care of that thing, right? He's back at the bar now. Jerry? Jerry? And then it says Budweiser, true, which... I don't understand... The cell? The cell. What is the pitch for Budweiser here? Here's what I think this is. Because okay. you know these huge brands and their campaigns get so big that they stop even trying to sell. It's just all about like... Name recognition. Name recognition and referring back to the like viral or just the, their cultural dominance right. of their campaign. And the fact that it says Budweiser true at the end, this reminds me of the campaign or the commercial where it says a bunch of dudes right like kind of calling each other on the phone they're like true true what are you doing true okay it was like an icon it's one of like the yeah, top yeah. 20 ads probably of the past 20 years or something sure, people always talk one. about those yeah my guess is they were doing a play on their own ad of a bunch of guys yeah on the phone may- maybe together. if i was 
if it was more in the zeitgeist, it would have a more resonance for me. But I do think that it specifically was being evoked by, and it actually makes the Mr. Show sketch make more sense. There's one that where they're in like a sauna or a steam room or something. And I think one of the, one of the settings for that sketch is in a sauna. Sauna and golf. And golf. Related. Yeah. Like it feels it's, very, I, very I, specific. Yeah. I feel like Mr. Show, they weren't like doing a parody of the commercial, but maybe they were in a way that I didn't watch that show, I think, as much when it was on. I think I watched it more on DVDs yeah. in the years past. And I didn't have a TV, so I didn't see broadcast television commercials. And I don't think It was I, just sort of like not a parody of, but just using it as like a... Um, kind of a template. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, this is one for Nissan. This one felt so. I thought this was like a fake commercial or one of those commercials that was made for a foreign market. Maybe it was made for a foreign market. There's something about this that feels kind of cheap and weird, but it does seem to be an actual 2007 Nissan commercial. It seems kind of gritty, man. You see the outside of a pretty humble motel, and then inside the hotel, you see some guy, and it's just sort of implied that he's probably up to no good. There's a woman who I believe is just hanging out in her underwear on the bed. It's not super revealing, but it's kind of for a Nissan it's commercial. Feel, it's pretty seedy. It's pretty seedy. Yeah. I feel like this must have been in a foreign market. He um, He's wearing kind of a... You know, an open-collared shirt with some chains. He's got a leather jacket on. Kind of looks like the 70s. I think he grabs a bag of money or a bag that is implied that there's money yeah, it's inside. it's got a real Mean Streets uh, quality to it. He goes down the outside stairs of this motel, and then um, he's really kind of got a... Got a real kind of like muggy looking face. Um, I don't know how to describe it. He's kind of grimacing, sort of like a real tough guy look. And he takes his uh, his bag full of money and he gets into his Nissan Pathfinder or whatever that is. We do see that somebody is uh, kind of watching from afar. And I have to narrate all this because I don't believe there are any... Uh, I don't believe there's any dialogue in this at all. He gets in the car. He looks in the mirror. He's got some lipstick on his face. So he takes a rag and he wipes it off. And then he starts the car. Now, in any kind of a mafia situation, when somebody starts a car, you kind of got to brace yourself for the worst. And yeah. this is no exception. We're inside the hotel room now. He just put a implied. We never actually see a gun, but it's implied that he put a gun in his back of his pants heading down the stairs with his bag the woman's definitely we get a in her real underwear right? the woman, yeah. yeah he goes out to his car we see that somebody's watching him from afar she's suddenly at the balcony his goomba his goombar I don't know goombar is how it is goombar. Uh, goombar then he starts the car and just as you expected the whole thing explodes fiery debris is falling from the sky and then suddenly the whole <laughs> truck falls from the sky too and he's it's totally fine he's totally he's fine. fine the, the truck's fine. fine he puts on the windshield wipers to blow away all the the dust and it says nissan tough <laughs> that's uh, you yeah, like that, it i didn't know how to feel i was kind of I mean, down on that one i kind of it's not it does feel like not for an american audience for one thing there's no dialogue so it could absolutely be played on, yeah. in any uh, any country um, and I think it does feel like it would be like a really strange thing for an American audience to see that as like a a car commercial because it's yeah. sort of uh, gritty it's very violent and violent but 
it, I, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't, I didn't see the end coming, so yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, this next one, I felt like we can't do this show. This will be the final one to close out this segment. But I felt like we had to do one of the Jimmy's Johns yeah. commercials with Brad Garrett playing some sort they're of. They're pretty a, good, right? They're pretty I, I good. I like this campaign. We've talked about they're stuck them. with it for a long time. Yeah, and we've talked about so many of them that this is one that I landed on that I hadn't seen before. I feel like it's a little bit complicated, especially for a. a an audio medium that we're doing here. But of course, these are the ones where Brad Garrett plays some sort of like kind of mafia ish guy. His name is Tony B- Bolonovich, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the king of cold cuts. And he's. Which is interesting that they went with a Tony, which is like a pretty Italian name. Yeah. And Bolonovich is kind of Russian. Or yeah, Russian or Eastern, Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. And I think it's just sort of like it's meant to confuse, it's meant to, to like spread the the stereotype around a little bit right because there is probably some sensitivity around the relentlessness of italians being mobbed yeah i saw even i was as i was going through commercials i also was coming across like news pieces about like italian american groups being offended by various campaigns yes always yeah um uh, so the basic premise of this whole campaign is he, well, I guess, does he run a competing sandwich shop? Yes, or he s- runs a competing sandwich. I don't know if it's a shop or a, or a chain, but the his he's always angry at Jimmy's John's because all of the cheap money-saving gross decisions he makes for his food, they do it the opposite, right? So if they do it fresh or they do it fast or whatever, he he does it some worse way. Yeah, it's weird. Then why do I think of the mafia if he's a sandwich shop owner? But you get the impression that like you know he's got these goons around him yeah. all the time and they're kind of dumb and he's dumb, and so you get the impression that maybe he runs a sandwich shop that is not fully legal or what have you, whatever. Like he he seems like a guy who he cuts has, a lot of corners. Yeah, and has his probably fingers in a lot of various businesses. Yeah, there might be some even some. sanitation work involved who knows (laughs) but uh, in this one it's a little bit complicated he uh, is really mad at Jimmy's John's as he calls it for having a uh, a new sandwich that has blue cheese on it and so he's like sleeping in bed or I think he's his he's in his bedroom a sort of lavish new money-ish cheesy bedroom uh, a woman is sleeping next to him and then a Jimmy's John's commercial comes on TV and he gets really angry about it he yells it's a very fast moving commercial wakes her up and he's really mad about this blue cheese sandwich that they're serving he goes into his own bathroom and he finds crumbles of blue cheese (gasps) on the sink so Uh There's some sort of infidelity happening here. You can't tell yeah. if his, if the She's woman who's with him is stepping out with another step- sandwich. Yes, but then also he comes down later and he sees one of his henchmen who is just like a very polite little nerdy guy with a mustache sitting next to his wife or or his uh, whoever his partner is in this. Um, and then he's like, I'm not... I'm just going to play on this. Too many things happen. They get into cars. <laughs> they're they're they get weapons at one point because Jesus. they have to teach Jimmy John's a lesson. So they go into some sort of room where they. I see this is 90 seconds. So there's a lot going on here. You, you well, actually, it's only 60 seconds. The last 30 seconds are two 15 second spots that I wasn't even going to play because they're even more confusing. Just take a listen. Tony B here to warn you about this dangerously tasty new beefy black and blue. It's everywhere, way bolder than any sandwich should be. With a one-two punch of blue cheese and horseradish aioli. Stevie, 
Yeah. So uh, his this guy Stevie, who clearly works for him, but is not a tough guy. Is a, is a diminutive little um, guy with a mustache yeah. who looks like and he's Stevie's going. And Stevie's always the guy who he's always getting caught eating Jimmy John's food. Oh, you know, and, and you know betray, this and and it's and Tony Bolonovich always you know, is enraged because it's such a betrayal. Well, it looks like Steve is going to go on a tennis date with his with uh, Tony's wife. Uh-huh. But uh, he sort of says, get in the car. We have to take care of this. Get your trousers. I'm coming for you, Jimmy's Johns. You punch me. I punch back. See, now they're in like some sort of a weapons chamber. Locker, yeah. But like they're grabbing baseball bats and various and like, like hedge clippers. <laughs> yeah, gardening tools. There's a lot of yeah. wire no, around. Gu- they clearly they've made it a choice not to go with guns, which I think yeah. is smart. Like yeah. gun violence is so prevalent and so like it's such a constant thing. I think it really I don't think Jimmy Johns wants to get into the business of showing them like even in a jokey context, like just loading up with like automatic weapons although the threat of this violence somehow seems worse to me see a bunch of wire like they're like what do you call it garrot garrot somebody um it reminds me i we can't go too long today because again i'm really tired to wrap this up but i need to tell you a quick story that i thought of the other day i guess we're not almost done um i one of my friends growing up was tony and i we grew up kind of in the country together and then at one point tony moved to the city the big city of canton ohio and i was very jealous because he got into all these like city related adventures or whatever and then in high school which is this is a strange story because i i can never ever picture tony being in a fight like our entire friendship i can't picture him being in a fight at all but something had gone down in his high school where the way he told it to me at the time it almost sounded like an outsiders-esque rumble was going to be going down like everyone sort of knew like this time at the parking lot yeah and it was and i can't remember who offended whom or what the issue was and uh-huh. again these weren't my people this was in a different sure. city i was still out in the country or whatever but and tony also might have been just kind of exaggerating he's you know he's a musician and an artist and kind of just a weird kind of a hippie guy and i think he liked the creativity of coming up with weapons and so the way he told me the story is he's like something went happened it's one of the worst reasons to fight i would say yeah but... and he wasn't sure Maybe they were worried that some group was coming after him and his friends or was something. He the I don't know what for the it was. Tom Waits character in Mystery Men. Maybe so. Tony tells me this story and it picks up here where they're gathering weapons for some sort of rumble that's supposedly going to happen. This sounds so far fetched. I don't know how much of a fabulous <laughs> story this is or what. But he says that he was really proud because he went home and he went into his uh, music studio and he got some sort of a. I believe it was a a stand for his drum kit or maybe it was some sort of a microphone stand but it was something that sort of had a natural kind of hook in it and he was kind of proud of himself he's like yeah this would be a good weapon like kind of as a club with like kind of a nasty hook on the end of it and he's like feeling good about himself and then he gets into his van he drives a huge white stretch van without windows in the back of course because it's Tony and he goes to pick up his friend and I want to say it might have been Dylan although I might be wrong about that and Tony the way he told me this 25 years ago was he feeling good 
good about the weapon he picked out. He stops outside of his friend's house, and all of a sudden his friend comes jogging out of the house, and he's holding nothing but a bowling pin. And Tony's just like, that is a great weapon to bring to this rumble, oh a bowling God. pin. A bowling pin? And somehow, like, again, I don't think anything came of this. I think this was, like, teenage boys just thinking there was their some... weird household object. <laughs> exactly. But, like, where did this kid get a bowling pin? And he just, like, in his moment of trying to think of what he's going to take to a rumble he grabs it like the, somehow the somebody comes s- out with like a table lamp <laughs> yeah, right exactly and again I don't think anybody was hurt I don't think there was really a, a fight a glass ashtray I, but like I always in my head picture as a, almost like a scene from a movie a long haired <laughs> kid like maybe even in slow-mo with his hair sort of blowing behind him some dirtbaggy looking kid coming out to the white van holding nothing but a bowling oh pin God. ready for the rumble anyway Anyway, back to this stupid commercial. What were we talking about? They're getting their weapons, which are like kind of not firearms. Time to play. There's one kind of funny visual joke here where one of his giant goons, like a very big man, is standing behind a huge chainsaw, a huge chainsaw, and you think he's going to pick it up, but instead he just picks up a tiny little chainsaw that was hidden behind it. Bumper to bumper out here. And now Steve is driving. He's the little wiener of a guy. And he stops hard and throws his arm across Tony, who's in the uh, in the driver's seat. The passenger mm. seat. Or passenger Come seat. on, don't eat the black and blue. We were hungry. And blue cheese. Mm. I'm stuck up for blue cheese. Me too. You too. Yeah. The new beefy black and blue for a limited time at Jimmy John's. And then he's just angry at the end. Yeah, it's sort of a it weak ending. It, it's a really weak commercial. It doesn't really have... We we love the character that they invented yeah. in Tony Bolonovich. Um, but it sort of felt like this one, they started a narrative arc and then just ended it. Yeah. Like it didn't, they spent too much time with the buildup. Yeah. And the, you know, honestly, for me, it was kind of the... The lack of bowling pins <laughs> in that that really kind of let me go. Okay, let's fire up our VCRs. I'm going to play for you um, a commercial that I found on one of my VHS tapes that I digitized and posted to the After These Messages YouTube channel. This is for Colgate. I feel like you and I have talked about this, but I couldn't find any evidence of us talking about it on the show. So I'm hoping that maybe you and I just talked about it off air. Otherwise, this is this will be a little repeat segment. Um, <laughs> this commercial is from probably 19, sometime between 1994 and 1996. I can't remember exactly. I call it the Colgate Cool Kid Goes to the Dentist commercial. Okay. Have you seen this one or do you recall me showing you this one? Cool Kid Goes to the Dentist doesn't sound familiar. It is ridiculous. And <laughs> it is, I mean, there are so, I want to almost do a not scene by scene, frame by frame breakdown of this commercial. Here, I got it tagged as coming from 1995. We see a close up of like kind of motorcycle boots stepping through a doorway and then we realize that it is a child a young boy how old are you gonna put him 10 or 11 
10 or 11, wearing a white T-shirt like the Fonz and a big black leather jacket. He's wearing these motorcycle boots. He's kind of got hair that's kind of greased back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and he's walking this into... This looks like the era of Jonathan Taylor Thomas being uh, a cool-looking dude. This isn't JTT, but yes. like, sort of imagine that kind of look. Yes. And so, and he is sauntering into the pediatric dental office and he's removing his jacket. A little girl is also in the, there's several other kids in the waiting room and they're all reading some magazine with Colgate ads on the back of them. And you can tell that this little girl has really noticed cool kid goes to the dentist. Well, it looks like the cool kid is the face of the Colgate ad in the magazine. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay, so they're all reading a magazine and this kid's face is on the back of it. And this kid comes into the office. He takes off his leather jacket and he throws it onto a coat hook. The other kids aren't really paying attention, but the little girl certainly is. Um, And then the... (laughs) The kid, cool kid, pulls up, is he putting it in or taking it out, Uh, a tube of Colgate in his back pocket. It's almost a stand-in for cigarettes, I feel like, in this sort of greaser version of him. And then he throws himself into the chair of of the dentist and just, like, throws his mouth wide open. Take a listen. Aiming for no cavities? It's possible with proper oral care and Colgate cavity protection. Much like this liquid penetrates chalk, Colgate's fluoride penetrates teeth to help stop cavities. Okay, now we need to stop. So They show an actual stick of chalk. Yes. And so this whole thing takes place in the dental office, except for this one, like, you know, it's like the, the scientific test part of the commercial where they take a piece of chalk for a blackboard and they put it in blue water, and then they break the chalk in half so you can see that blue water penetrated the outside of this chalk, and they're saying that that is what this toothpaste is going to do to your teeth. It is is such a weird cell. weird cell. And don't show people breaking chalk when you're talking about my teeth, It makes me feel uncomfortable, yeah. It makes me feel like my teeth are made of chalk. I know. It's terrible. Also, like, look at this shot where he throws himself into the seat. And before the dentist even appears, the kid just throws his head back and opens his mouth as wide as possible. It is absolutely ridiculous. And then at the end, he leaves the dental chair and he goes back out into the uh, waiting room where, again, the little girl is given the eyes, I believe. Colgate cavity protection. Much like this liquid penetrates chalk, Colgate's fluoride penetrates teeth to help stop cavities. Fill cavities with Colgate. So if your goal is no cavities, use Colgate Cavity Protection. The little girl kind of hides behind her magazine because she's so flustered by him. By the way, did you check the name of the magazine? We now see she's reading a magazine called Sporty. It's like a stand in for highlights (laughs) based on the font. Only it's called Sporty for some reason. I guess the deal is he walks around with Colgate in his back jeans pocket all the time. But when he goes to sit down, he takes it out of his pocket and slams the Colgate down on the dentist. Do you think that this was in any way that Colgate's intention here was to make teeth brushing seem cool to kids? Yes. And that they imagined I think 100% that, that's that what children we're seeing. would look at this and take away from it that, that this kid was actually cool? I think so. I, I mean, think that's exactly what it I know I'm is. an old lady, but like, 
even as a kid, I don't feel like, even as a little kid, I don't feel like I would have thought that was cool. But could you see yourself as that little girl reading Sporty Magazine and then this JTT wannabe comes in? I just, I don't feel like it, but also, like I said, it's, you know, it's been almost four decades. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't, it's hard to picture. Are you saying you're not sexually attracted to this kid? I am saying that, yes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go on the record on, the, on, <laughs> uh, on that point. On the record. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind I also like how unscientific the sentence was Much like this liquid penetrated this chalk Right, yeah What is this blue liquid? Why are you dipping your chalk? Much like this liquid penetrated Yeah no, nothing chalk. about that really worked for me. Very strange. Uh, okay, I'm going to uh, do one more thing here before we get out of here. and We're going to check in with the Ad Council. I kind of set this up in great detail at the beginning of the show, but um, I've mentioned this Geico commercial to you guys before. I love it to death. It's uh, part of their replay. If you're unfamiliar with football, if you're a coach and you think that something happened on the field that was sort of called the wrong way by the referees, in some instances you can throw a red challenge flag and that's what these are based on. they have on. to look at the tape and see if it was and then you really can be like, like you said. Yeah, exactly. And maybe you'll overturn the call. And so that's what this is based on. You have a young couple. They have kayaks on top of their car. They're showing up to their camping site. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, the woman in the relationship says, hey, did you remember to bring the life preservers and the guy says I thought you were supposed to do that and then they throw a challenge flag hey sweetie I'm not seeing the life jackets well you should you packed them no you packed them no you packed them you said I won't forget to pack the I life jackets. I won't forget to pack the life jacket. I, I'm sorry. I have to. I have to challenge that. Well, you do have one left. So, so I think I get a lot of the details <laughs> wrong as far as who says what. But um, the guy is the one who throws the challenge flag, and she's like so. There's something about her acting that I just love. I mean, she's 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 attractive. But there's just also something so deadpan yeah, about very, her acting that great, I just absolutely love. She's got a great uh, vibe here. It feels kind of Gen X-y, which is maybe yeah. why it appeals to me, right? Although they're, of course, younger than us. Yeah, like younger than us, it. but like that sort of like Gen X-y kind of eye roll sort of mentality that you don't see in a lot of the younger generation now. But <laughs> um, anyway, so he throws the challenge flag and then sort of magically out of nowhere, some officials, they don't have any lines, they kind of show up with the replay gear and... Um, uh, we see her. We never see the actual scene where they have the conversation. We just see them reacting to watching I think that's a great choice it. by this oh, campaign. absolutely. Yeah. This What Really Happened replay is brought to you by Progressive. One thing no one would challenge, protecting your home and auto with Progressive. So now they just watched it. We didn't see what happens. And they're both taking off their headphones. Uh, <laughs> oh. They're taking off their headphones that are attached to the challenge monitor, right? And this is where she's kind of got this big smile, but kind of dead eyes and says this. You know, my favorite part was when you said, obviously, I won't forget to bring the life jackets. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so Obviously, much. I won't forget to bring the life jackets. Well, listener Craig says, hey... As someone who also just binged the TV show Severance, which is something I was talking about on TBTL, that I finally watched Severance, which that's an Apple TV it is, production, yeah. I think. We, I've been telling you for months to watch it. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it really is worth seeing. Um, Craig says, as someone who also just binged Severance and also loves the woman in the Geico commercial with the instant replay, 
Um, obviously, I won't forget the life jackets, he says. <laughs> I was wondering if you noticed that the woman is also in Severance. She is a character called Rebecca, the woman that Mark shares a book with at Rickon's book reading. None of this is a spoiler if you haven't seen the show. There's a book reading, okay, at somebody's home. And, uh, and Craig says, just thought I'd mention it since you mentioned that you really enjoy her acting, which I do. And the actor's name is Grace Rex, R-E-X. And here I'll play a little bit of the scene in Severance. She doesn't have many lines, but essentially she plays a real weirdo. Her name is Rebecca, not Rebecca. She's friends with this guy Rickon, who kind of surrounds himself with like really quirky characters, and he's kind of a he's kind of a doofus himself, but he fancies himself as being an intellectual. Right. And he's written this book, and he's having a book reading at his own home. And the main character Mark is told that the character Rebecca and he have to share a copy of the book to read along during the book reading. There's a lot of things that are weird there. You don't need a book in your lap to follow no, along in the, a book the reading. The author is supposed to be reading. Right, but the author in this Rickon case... Is Rickon is not an experienced book author. No, and he also is kind of controlling in a way, yeah. and this is his party, and he's nervous. So he wants everybody to have a book. Mark forgot his book, so Mark's going to have to share a book with Rebecca, and now he's just meeting Rebecca for the first time. This is almost the extent of her, of her role in this. I've been asked to share my book with you. So I've heard. Uh, Rebecca. Rebecca. I have small eyes, so I have to read pretty close. Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure that'll be fine, if you'll excuse me. And I have some sores on the back of my head from my bird. You might see them. Okay. <laughs> and then he walks away, so I don't know if you can hear what she's saying through the music. some sores on the back of my head from my bird. <laughs> so you'll have to, by the way, somebody in a Reddit thread, this is, I think I can say this to people who've seen Severance without spoiling too much, but... Or who haven't seen it. Yeah, but for those who have, and to Genevieve who has, scars on the back of a head as if, could it be from a bird or could it have been from an operation? Oh, I guess that's possible. But chances are she's just a weirdo. I mean, who that... has a bird who attacked the back of her head? She also says, "I have small eyes, so I have to." Yeah, read I mean, she says pretty a lot of weird things and, right, that don't exactly. necessarily, to me, imply uh, a, a deeper life story. So I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll see in season two. You know what else she's in? What? A commercial that was my favorite ad campaign of last year: the Junk Sleep oh, or Slunk Jeep. Slunk Jeep. You love yes, Slunk Jeep with um, Liev Schreiber. He was in a bunch of these. I hadn't seen this one. This is for Mattress Firm, right? Yeah, Mattress Firm. And the whole point is, if you have a bad mattress, you're getting junk sleep, and then you're going through your life like kind of half awake. And these are very surreal commercials that are very hard to explain. This one features a. Um, Woman in a diner, Liev Schreiber, who is like the the narrator in these, uh, is also sitting in the diner Mm. um, where he's both narrating and sort of there. But they're very surreal and dreamlike. And this woman, I want to call her Rebecca, Grace Rex, the actor, is uh, in the diner and she's making some weird decisions because she's gotten junk sleep. Junk sleep is a slippery slope, America. Joanne here hasn't slept in weeks. Lousy bed. You're right. I should quit my job. For some reason, there's a pigeon on her table, and she's talking to the pigeon and saying, you're right, I should quit my job. Not a good choice, Joanne. Oh, look. Now she's making friends. Now she's waving at two really scuzzy-looking guys who turn out to be robbers. Yeah, like stick-up men. (laughs) We're going to stick up this diner, and she's kind of like waving at them. This should go well. (laughs) Don't let junk sleep lead you to a life of crime. 
Go see the sleep experts at Mattress Firm. They train over 200 hours to find the perfect mattress for you. Unjunk your sleep at Mattress Firm. It's a very hard commercial to describe, but in the context of the campaign, I think it works. Yeah. I love these junk sleep commercials. And I went, I mean, so obviously I have a little crush now. I, she has an acting reel for um, just like the things that she's done this fall. It leads with the severance role, but she's been in a whole bunch of stuff. I saw a clip in here from The Good Wife. She was in Master of None yeah, as a vaccine. Yeah, she's got some good credits, just like yeah. a lot of small roles and some good, good things. She only has like, 300 people following her on Twitter. I mean, not that everybody lives on Twitter, but I expected like, you know, her to, I mean, she's, she's been in some right, well, what's big... Her, what's her handle? Let's get her some follows. Um, I think just look up Grace Rex uh, yeah. on Twitter. I just, I was just like kind of Googling her. I wanted a little bit of background on her and there was her Twitter thing. So I started following her and she's like got... She's again. at O-H Grace Rex. Yeah. O Grace so. Rex. Anyway, I have a feeling if you just keep your eyes peeled, you're going to start seeing... Um, a lot of her, I'll bet. Yeah, this just could like be her popping moment. up. Yeah, I mean, and maybe, and then maybe she'll land something a, a little bit meatier. But uh, I just think she does a really good job. And and again, it all tends to be sort of darkly funny. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? agree. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Craig. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. Genevieve, I'm sick of talking. Get us out of here, please. All right. Thank you for uh, producing the show. I know I was very busy today. Um, thank you for listening to the show. If you would like to call us, if you would like to sing a jingle or react uh, with your voice to this or any show, please call us at 607-444-5597. You can email us at afterthesemessagesshow at gmail. Visit us on our YouTube page. Visit us on our Facebook group. There's so many ways countless ways four not countless four ways to get in touch well with it's us. countless if you can only count to three it's countless if you can only count to three it's if it's if you can go higher it's just four but hopefully uh you'll do one of those things and we will talk to you next tuesday nothing new to the kid what can you do to the kid totally stupid and sick no scruples cool man ice cream scooping it